Loving God, we praise you for this day. We give thanks for the call that you have placed upon our lives to bring us here to this time and to this place. So open our hearts, open our minds, and help us to hear the words that you would speak to us individually and corporately as your church. Inspire us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to feel the warmth of your love and grace, and also, Lord, help us to be challenged, challenged to grow and to become a better disciple than we are right now. But Lord, fill us with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a bishop who was preaching in the chapel at Yale University. He spoke for 15 minutes on how the Y in Yale stood for youth, and then another 15 minutes on the A and how it stood for ambition, another 15 minutes on the L and how it stood for leadership, and then on the E and energy. And of course, he preached on that for 15 minutes. After an hour, everyone was thoroughly bored to tears. As the bishop finished his message, there was a student that came forward and knelt at the altar. The bishop was impressed by this young man's faith and piety, and he asked him, son, what was it about my message that touched your heart on this day? To which the student said, bishop, actually, I was just thanking God that I'm not attending the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. <laughs> now, hopefully, this message won't be too long, okay? But I would like this sermon, I don't know, maybe to be kind of like Tabasco sauce. You know, fiery. Give you a little heartburn. Now, I'm not talking about that kind of heartburn from too much gas. No, I'm talking about a heartburn that takes place because the Holy Spirit catches fire in your soul. And so I want to ask you a question. Are you fired up for Jesus Christ? Theologians have debated for centuries the question, why did Jesus come to earth? What was the purpose of the incarnation? And you know what? I think Jesus directly answers that question several times in the scriptures. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have life abundantly. In Luke 19, 10, Jesus says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then in Matthew 20, 28, Jesus says, the Son of Man has come to give his life as a ransom for the lives of many. And then we hear in today's scripture, I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. I hope you heard that. Jesus came to bring fire to the earth. Now, the Greek word there for bringing fire can also be translated to 
cast fire or to throw fire. Jesus came to be a holy flamethrower. Now, let's put this in perspective. It's not literal fire. It is a spiritual fire. And what Jesus is speaking of is that burning, exciting, dynamic presence of God in the lives of people, in your life and in my life. Now, in Scripture, God reveals God's self through physical representation. And when this happens, there's a theological word. So, you know, learn this word, right? Impress your friends. Let them know you went to church today. It's good. Because the word I'm talking about is a word called theophany. And what is theophany? It just means the appearance of God. Now, fire is the most common theophany in Scripture. There are several definitive statements that we make about God in the Bible. We say things like, God is holy, God is light, God is grace, God is love, God is spirit. Now, remember, these are simile, you know, and we also talk about God in metaphor as well. But what we're really talking about is God is, uh, these things are a symbol of God when we talk about theophany. God is not actually fire, but fire represents God's presence, symbolizing God's awesome presence and power. Now, let me give you an example which will kind of clear any doubt you might have had. When God speaks to Moses, God does so in what? A burning bush. Y'all can say things. It's okay. Oh, you poor Methodists. We, we're going to help you here. Let's try it again. When God spoke to Moses, he spoke to Moses in what? Oh, praise the Lord. That was so much better. A burning bush. Now, here's the other question. Was the bush actually on fire? No. It looked like it was being consumed by fire. There was a fire there. There was a fire present. And that is a theophany. That is God's presence in the burning bush. And because God's presence was there, what happened? Remember, Moses had to take off his sandals because he was on holy ground. Now, God also appears to the Israelites as an appearance of fire on the mountains, but also as they're being led, right? You remember during the daytime, there's a pillar of cloud, of dust and smoke kind of all together, and it represented God. And then at nighttime, what was it? A pillar of fire. And in the tabernacle that Moses builds, the first offering is consumed by God and by God's presence in the form of fire. And now we get into the New Testament and some of the things that uh, we hear there. John the Baptist, we hear this in Luke 3.16, says, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. Or what about that first Easter morning when Cleopas and his companion are walking together on the road to Emmaus? 
and they have an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, and they don't know it's Jesus. And that Jesus starts to walk with them and talk with them and teach them and help them to learn and to grow and to understand. And as they are walking, they go in and they have communion together. And it is in the breaking of the bread that Jesus actually disappears from their vision. Why? Well, the text actually will tell us itself because the text says that Jesus disappeared and Cleopas turns to his friend and says, were not our hearts on fire as he opened the scriptures to understanding the Son of God even better? And so what they're saying is we got heartburn. And you know what? When we got heartburn, when we're on fire with Jesus Christ, we don't need to see Jesus right in front of us because we got Jesus inside of us. We're living in the presence. We become the theophany of Christ, on fire in the love of Christ. My friends, God's fire generates unlimited power in our life. Now, just for a moment, I want you to think about fire. And, you know, fire only burns when it has three things, right? It's got to have heat, it's got to have fuel, and it's got to have oxygen. And if it doesn't have those things, it will go out. That tells us that we have to tend the fire in our hearts in order to keep it burning. You see this in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offerings on the fire. If you don't tend your fire, if you don't tend a fire, what happens to the fire? It goes out. It doesn't burn any longer. Sadly, this can happen to us spiritually. Again, I want you to ask yourself the question, am I on fire for Jesus Christ? Do I feel a burning inside me? Now, if you do, praise be to God. And if you don't, then let's ask that question, why? I heard about a preacher who served a small country church. And on one winter Sunday, he arrived early and he turned off the gas pilot light and the gas supply for the church furnace. When the people arrived at the church, they could actually hear the blower blowing. They could hear the swish of the fan. But the building was ice cold. And the title of that sermon that day was, The Blower's Still Blowing, But the Fire's Gone Out. <laughs> My friends, is that you? Is the blower still blowing? And is the fire gone out? Or what about the pastor who was just out and about running errands? And he met a man who introduced himself, and the man said, hey, I just want you to know I'm a member of your church. And the pastor said, well, I've been uh, 
I've been there for three years, and I don't think I've ever met you in worship. To which the man replied, I said I was a member, not a fanatic. (laughs) My friends, we do need to be on fire in Christ's love. And get this, it's okay to be a fanatic for Jesus because of what Christ has done for us. We ought to be a fanatic. We ought to be on fire. But what do we do when our fires have cooled down? Well, I'm going to talk very generally about myself for a moment. You know, I kind of look at my walk with Jesus, and I see how things have gone. And you know what? If I were to, like, graph it out, I would say, hey, you know what? I've had some really mountaintop experiences. You know, I've, I've experienced some amazing things, and I've felt that amazing love. I've been caught in that love. I've been set ablaze. And you know what? You can't always live on the mountaintop, right? You gotta kinda come back down to reality, get into the valley. And, but I've had that mountaintop experience kinda help me move along and, and just keep going. And then, well, sometimes it has happened where I start to kinda trend down right? And then I need something else to kind of pick me back up. And, and so you can kind of see it's, it's maybe a kind of a roller coaster, if you will, with times of kind of being leveled out, but being focused on God. Sometimes I've been on fire and I've been hot in the love of Jesus Christ. And sometimes I've gotten very cool, maybe even cold in the love of Christ. And you know what? I'm going to say I'm not the only one that this has happened to If we passed a mic around today, we could all give testimony that would sound something like this, where we've kind of come and gone in that love. And here's the beautiful thing. No matter what's happened, God still loves us. God's still there for us. Jesus is right there for us. And it does happen. So I remember going to a spiritual director. And one of the things I talked about with my spiritual director was this kind of pattern that I had. And she told me, she said, number one, that pattern's really normal. And then I said, but how do I, how do I get back? How do I stay with that? And, and the first thing that she told me was, you got to be aware of it. You got to be aware that it happens, that we all have a tendency to drift. We all have a tendency to kind of float and move away. And if we can understand that, then we can continually come back. And then the other part of that is you got to keep using your faith. She said, think about those times that you've been closest to God. And I started to think, and I, and I started thinking about all the spiritual disciplines, about praying and reading the Bible and worship. And I said, oh, I just have to keep doing that. And she said, yes and no. Because what you've been doing and what you're doing is stuff that you're comfortable with. And that's fine. Let's, let's give it its place. But you know what? Your relationship with God is always a dynamic relationship. It is a relationship that's always trying to move forward and move you forward. So you just can't go to the past and do something you did in the past and always expect the same results. Sometimes you got to step out of your comfort zone because God's got something new for you. God's got something new for you to try. But it means you have to trust. 
And it means that you have to stop saying, you know what, God, I'm going to meet you on my terms. I'm going to meet you where I feel comfortable. And we have to say, you know, God wants us to meet God on God's terms, to be uncomfortable. And when we're uncomfortable and the Holy Spirit's there, then you're going to catch fire. Then blessings are going to happen. A quick example of this, I hope and pray many of you already do this. Praying for your children, especially the children that you have at home. Do you know that your kids want a blessing from you? Parents, do you take time? Do you go in every night or at least even once a week and sit on the bed with your kids, put your hand on their head and pray a blessing over them? Let them know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love them and that God loves them and that you want them to be blessed. Now, that might feel uncomfortable if you have never done that. But I promise, not only will you convey a blessing to your child, but you're going to be blessed yourself. You're going to feel the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have a holy moment. And that's powerful. Now, it's things like this, you know. I'm not saying stop reading the Bible. No, keep reading it. Right? Fast. Maybe that's a practice you haven't done much of. Fast. And maybe it's fast from food or maybe it's fasting from something else for a set period of time. Maybe it's fasting from electronics, from social media. Should I dare even say such a thing? What about tithing? What about giving of your first fruits? Giving 10%, giving with joy. You know, you want to be challenged on this day, read Malachi 3.8. Don't get mad at the preacher, right? Witness to your faith. You know, every time I say witness to your faith, people start saying, you know, I just don't feel comfortable walking up to a stranger and asking them about their relationship with Jesus. And I said, it's not what I told you to do. God's going to put people in your life that you can be the church for. There are people in your family. There are neighbors that live right around you. There are people in the places that you work, and they're having a horrible time. They're having a difficult time, and all you have to do is sit down with them and talk with them, listen to them, pray for them. And if you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, say, hey, I'm going to take your name. I'm going to pray for you. And then come back and keep talking with them. Encourage them. Love them. You might even do something crazy like this and say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? You know what a lot of people do is they think in terms of, you know, if I tell you how great my church is, you're going to want to just come. But here's the deal. Don't just tell them. Don't give them information. Give them an invitation and say, hey, why don't you come with me some Sunday? Matter of fact, I'll come get you. I'll come get you at, uh, I don't know, 11.30, 11.40. I don't know how fast you drive or how far away you live. But pick them up and bring them on. And then say, hey, and guess what? We'll go out to eat afterwards on me, you know? I mean, these are ways in which we can witness. And I promise you, these are also ways in which we can rekindle the fire of God's love and passion in our hearts and in our lives. And the other thing is this. Be around other Christians. I can't tell you how important worship is 
for keeping the fire burning. It is so important. It is vital to who we are. You know, and if you can't be with us in person, then come and be with us online. And if you miss a few Sundays, it's okay. Go back and catch up, right? I know you guys know how to binge watch. (laughs) Right? Go binge worship. It's good. But my friends, it's so important. I mean, it's such an interesting thing to think about our faith. Our faith is intensely personal. It's about what I believe. It's about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's true. But you know what? Faith is also powerfully communal and powerfully corporate. And what I mean by that is when you're having a hard time, when you're having difficulty, when you're in pain, and you, don't, you can't see where God is, isn't it great to have someone come along, you kind of saddle up right next to you, put an arm around you and say, you know what? You may not see Jesus right now, but I promise Christ is here. I'm here, and I'm going to walk alongside of you. Again, that's a powerful testimony. It's a powerful witness, a powerful way to live. There's a story about a pastor who goes to see a parishioner. The parishioner hadn't been in church in quite some time. And so the pastor went over to his house. It was a bitterly cold day. Pastor knocked on the door and the parishioner opened the door. He saw the pastor standing there and he said, oh, pastor, there's no reason for you to come over here and preach. There's nothing that you can say that's going to convince me that I've got to come back to church. So so I can't even let you in. There's just, I'm just not going to hear it. And the pastor said, you know what, you're right. I promise you I won't say a word. But, you know, it's so cold outside. Could I just come in and for 10 minutes just warm myself by your fire before I leave? The man said, sure, come on in. Pastor comes in. He takes off his coat. He lays it in front of the fire. He goes over. He begins to warm himself by the fire. And there's some tongs that are right there by the mantle. And he picks up the tongs and he goes to the fire that had been burning quite a long time because it had some very large glowing red embers. And the pastor took the ember, one, out. Still left it in the fireplace but moved it over to the side just a foot or so away from the fire. And what happened? Well, you can imagine it just slowly began to fade. It had burned bright and red, and now it was dull and cold. After it had gotten dull and cold, the pastor then picked up that faded ember and put it back into the fire. And what do you think happened? It slowly came back to life. It started to glow red and hot. Well, the pastor put his coat on, went to the door. The parishioner opened the door for him. And as he walked outside, the parishioner said, Pastor, thank you for that fiery sermon. I'll see you in church on Sunday. My friends, that's what we need in our life, right? 
We need to rekindle that fire. Are you cold? It's all right. It happens. But first, admit it. Say, this is where I am. And secondly, then ask God to help you to rekindle and relight your fire. Then find ways to live out your faith because that will keep it stoked and that will keep your fire going. You know, there's a great apocryphal story that's told about John Wesley. John Wesley started a movement in the 18th century in England to uh, get people on fire for the love of Jesus Christ. And Wesley did things in a rather unorthodox way, and one of those was preaching outside. And all of these people would come to see. And the people that would come, they would be the rich and the poor. They would be the coal miners and royalty. They'd all come out to see him. And on his way to one of the preaching engagements, he was stopped one day. And they asked him, they said, Mr. Wesley, why do so many people and such a, a vast array of people come out to hear you preach? What is it that you say that grabs their imagination and their hearts each time? He looked at them and he smiled and he said, the reason these people come to watch me is they want to watch me burn with the passion of the love of Jesus Christ. My friends, do you burn in the love of Jesus Christ? We all should be. There's no reason we should not be. And if we've strayed, it's okay. Jesus still loves us. Christ is still there. And we can have that flame rekindled to burn brighter than it has ever burned before. I pray that for you, for myself, for our church, and for this world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.